Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Sarah, and I'm joined by my co host, Helen. Hello, everybody. And this week, we're going to be talking about when work goes wrong and what we can both learn from it. And I say both learn from it because we are going to share our examples <laughs> that we haven't ta- talked about before tonight. This is probably going to be one of the least scripted podcasts that you've heard. Not that they are particularly scripted anyway, but this evening we thought it'd be useful for us to talk a bit about things from our perspective where things haven't gone well, see how they match or don't match with the other person, and then just talk a bit about our reflections and work goes wrong all the time in a squiggly career. We know that. I think it's it's much about thinking about how you can be resilient, how you can bounce back, what you can learn from it. And before we dive into those, which I'm hoping is going to be useful for everyone and not just cathartic for us, <laughs> a couple of things coming up that might be interesting for you. Our audiobook has finally been released, Hooray! which is exciting. So if you're someone who listens to a podcast, I guess likelihood is you may be quite like an audiobook or you prefer an audiobook. So uh, you can find that on Amazon, as you'd expect with all the other audiobooks. So if you've been waiting for that, and I know a few people have asked us about it, it's now there and kind of ready to go. The other thing coming up, which we thought you might be interested in, is we're going to do a bit of a special 12 days of Christmas over on Instagram, where we're just at Amazing If. And those 12 days of Christmas are all about chilling out and celebrating. We decided that the 12 days kind of leading up to Christmas is not the time to be intensive about your career. And it is probably the time to just pause and slow down and have some fun and we're going to do some really good competitions so if you don't already follow us on instagram now might be a good time to join because there's going to be some good fun stuff in the lead up to christmas and it's a good way to get things like the daily career tips that helen does and to keep up to date with the various different events that we're running or things that you can come along to if you're interested in perhaps meeting us in real life not just listening to us in the on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) so what we thought we would do is talk about five themes around work that has gone wrong and those five themes are failure so where we feel like something just hasn't really hasn't gone to plan it's really failed where we've sort of learned the most where it's perhaps been quite a challenging but a big kind of learning a personal challenge that's impacted our work a confidence gremlin so perhaps when our confidence gremlins this year have got in the way of our work or we've needed to work hard to overcome them 
and some feedback that perhaps we found tough or it's really made us kind of stop and think about. So when we say work go wrong, some of it is definitely about things going wrong. Some of it is more about just moments where perhaps it has just made you stop and reflect or think a bit differently about the way that you uh, work, the way that we work together. And I think the reason for doing this, because I think it's quite an exposing thing, particularly as Sarah and I have not (laughs) shared these things with each other in advance at all. But I think the big reason for doing this is I think those five areas that we're going to talk about now, I mean, you might not want to do all five with your manager or a colleague in one go. But the point is that actually admitting that things don't go right all the time is not a bad thing it's actually a really useful prompt for reflection I think it shows a bit of vulnerability and it invites other people's opinions and reflections and it gets away from this need to be perfect all the time so hopefully it might be interesting for you to have a bit of a behind the scenes (laughs) insight into what's going on in Sarah and I's working lives but also the real and the bigger reason is that these sort of conversations that we are having are almost sort of micro conversations that you could have with people at work as well so use it as a bit of a thought starter for how you might be able to replicate what we are now about to do um, with all of you listening imagine if we have a really big falling out during this podcast yeah that could be less fun Um, but I've got some wine I did prepare with some wine Oh, I've been, uh, you can tell it's Christmas, I've been eating white chocolate coins. <laughs> so white chocolate, I mean, that's like no chocolate. <laughs> I know, they're absolutely delicious though. I think they are potentially, strictly speaking, for my son, but I really like white chocolate coins, so he's not seen them yet. Well, I've got a Chenin Blanc, which is white something, so you've got white chocolate and I've got white wine, <laughs> so we're, we're all good. Right, is that just basically us avoiding having to talk I know, about some I feel stuff? Like I need to Should take, we get started? I feel like I need to take a really deep breath. Right, what's number one? What are we starting with? Failure. Oh, you go first. Okay, so this is the biggest perceived failure of the year, right? That's yeah. Like, okay, so God, I'm quite nervous, Sarah. Uh, so I don't think this is going to be what you think it is. So my biggest failure is like a self-failure, actually, and then it's that I don't feel that I have grown into the role that we have sort of given me in Amazing If, which is that officially, I think, interesting question, that I should be doing lots of forecasting and organizing and putting you know I started the year saying I wanted my aim for the year was to scale sustainably and I had all these kind of lovely organized plans and I think whilst I don't think I've done a bad job in the year I don't think I've done that job and I think my failure is I haven't protected the time and the space I've done lots of other things that sometimes are easier and sometimes more enjoyable and sometimes my comfort zone and sometimes I've just needed doing and I haven't created the space for me to do the job that I think needs to be done for our business so my biggest failure is that I don't and is it worth just saying Helen because people might not know what your job is yeah so officially everybody I am CEO of Amazing If which in my mind means that when and if I think about it less about job titles and more about strengths my perception is that Sarah's strengths are all around creativity ideas you know just the things that really move us into new spaces because you'll constantly have those ideas. And I feel like my job is to create the bridges and the buildings that enable those (laughs) kind of spaces to be occupied. And that takes time. That takes time. The way that I I need time to think and I need to plan and I need to put that in some kind of order. And I always need to, you know, to, to forecast and prepare for that. But I don't think I've done that role. I don't, it's not I'm saying I've done a bad role, but I don't think I've done that role. And I think that is the role we need me to do. So my biggest failure is that we have given me a job that I think needs to be done for this business that I don't think I've honestly done this year. And that's something to do for next year for me. 
Do you want to know how you could say that sentence in a more growth mindset way? Go on, go on, do it for me. <laughs> you could say, perhaps you've not grown into the role yet, or you're not quite where you would like to be yet. We talk about growth mindset with people all the time. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast this year. And I think just listening to you then, I feel like you're giving yourself a really hard time <laughs> for a start, given... You've only been full-time in Amazing If for a year and you've actually only officially been in a CEO role towards the start of this year. So, and probably not really for a full 12 months. And I mean, you have no job description. So, I mean, we're squiggly in that sense. this is actually, (laughs) I was reflecting on it and I thought one of the interesting things is, you know, you're in a corporate environment and you have a job description and you have a manager. And while some of those things can be a bit restrictive, it gives you a structure to operate within. And I've kind of, I was thinking, you know, maybe there are some advantages. We often talk about these things are not very good things and hierarchical organisations, but there's some I've written down on my little bullet points. I've got notes for this podcast, Sarah, but I've written down, actually, I don't think I've held myself or we have together held me to account for them and some of those things. And that that might be something that we could do next year is to say, well, actually, what both do we agree this role is and needs to do and how do we hold me to account for it so that was some of my reflections on it one thing though that you have done brilliantly more recently and I suspect as you've been thinking about this and become aware of the fact you want to improve and develop and work out what this role means to you is you have started doing CEO mentoring I I wonder if it's worth talking a bit about that because I think you're finding that really valuable if I think about the WhatsApp messages that I get after you've had those meetings so perhaps worth sharing with people what you've been doing so the job that we kind of gave me was like a job that we felt like needed to be done and I've never done it before and so part of it is I don't have a lot of experience with this job so I've sort of recognized that now and I have decided that I'm basically just going to spend some time with people who already do the job and already do it very well in different contexts so I set up a day a month and I've only done one day so far when I'm going to be like I'm going to put like the CEO hat on basically because it's hard to do it every day when there's so much going on and that day is going to be me spending an hour with somebody who's already doing the job of a CEO and asking them about what that job actually is just to make sure that it's not some imaginary thing that I've made up where I think people get up at 5.30 and they go for a You do get up at 5.30 though, so you can tick that box. You do do that. But I don't think everyone does. And I I sort of want to challenge some of my assumptions about what that job is and learn about how people actually do it. And I've already had one of those. I've got another one set up. Like I said, I'm doing them monthly and then the rest of the day I'm trying to spend thinking about some of the other tasks that I think are done when you're in that CEO mode. Maybe it's more about CEO mode than being a CEO every day, but just knowing what that looks like for me and when to turn it on. So yeah, I'm definitely investing some time in learning a bit more about it and admitting that I'm a work in progress, but I would have liked to have maybe realised that a bit sooner than I did. My um, one is, I suspect, a bit more predictable, as in I don't think it'll be a surprise to you. But we have had some quite big challenges this year with our website. To put this into context, I think if you go and look at our website now, amazingif.com, it looks good. And actually, I've had some feedback from some of my friends spontaneously saying your website looks so good and all your new branding looks brilliant. And we do love our branding that we, I think, started using at the start of this year. But that website has been a very difficult process. It's been costly. It's cost us quite a lot of money. We didn't get what we thought we were getting. We have had to try and fix it quite a few times. We have tried to work with some other people to fix it. And that didn't work out either. I think a lot of things outside of our control 
have happened. So definitely some things where we couldn't have anticipated them, but they had quite a big impact on us. And I think when you're a small startup, you realise how precious I think your time and your money is. And that's true in any organisation. But I think you particularly feel it when you're really starting out. And I suppose you want people to care as much as you do. And I think we definitely haven't necessarily felt that. And it's never had a really big detrimental impact on anything we're trying to do. But I think behind the scenes, it has taken up a lot of our Mm. time. I think it's caused a lot of frustration, taken up loads of headspace. We've tried to think loads about ways to solve it, tried to think really creatively about stuff. And I was reflecting and thinking, would I have done anything differently? And maybe... You have a slightly weird skill that you can build websites, like basic websites, but Helen can build websites. And I do wonder whether do you sometimes try to over-design something or over-spec something, especially because of the things that we've both done in the past working for quite different sorts of companies. We probably know the art of the possible and have perhaps tried to create something that we didn't need to create this year. I'm, I'm not sure. I almost still feel quite battered and bruised by it. So someone was actually talking to us about a project that we're looking at for next year that would need <laughs> us to have um, certain website capability. And I almost can't talk about it. Mm. And I was almost like, what are the other options? And so I think one of the other things I'm starting to realise in kind of the roller coaster of doing your own thing is you've got to learn, I think, to let stuff go. Yeah. And I don't think I'm very good at letting stuff go. (laughs) And I think that comes from being quite competitive and driven and also actually combining that with being very reflective. I can be very much like in my head when I want to be. And so I then really think about these things and then I find it hard to move on from them. And so they then continue to preoccupy you. And so I, I feel like it's a failure on like so many levels in terms of both what we were trying to do, the impact it's had on us both. I think it's probably the closest we've both been to tears at various different moments mm. where we've almost been lost for words and lost for ideas of kind of what to do next, like proper head in your hand moments. And, you know, over something fundamentally not that significant, but it feels like a big deal to you. And so I think there's going to be more of those, I think was my reflection, is there will be stuff that continues to get behind the scenes, maybe even sometimes more visibly go wrong. I think I'm going to have to learn to fix what I can fix, control what you can control, and just learn to let other stuff go and just know that sometimes things are not going to work out and you won't always be able to fix it. I think I'm usually, if I see a problem or I can figure out a way to make stuff better or a way to fix it. And I'll always be the person, and I think we're both quite like this, we'd work harder and smarter and faster to try and make it better. And I think that one has defeated us, I think it's fair to say. Um, So this is the first time that I've woven some quote from Coco Chanel into our podcast. Oh, yeah. Is is, that what we need right now? Yeah, it's what we need to lighten it a little bit. But there's this Coco Chanel quote that I've always liked, which is that when you leave the house, you should like take one thing off. So I think her premise, and I wonder whether the same principle can sometimes apply to our work and maybe other people's work too, in that, Uh, you sometimes can have a tendency to overspec things you want the dream and in your mind you can see the dream if you haven't got the capability to deliver the dream you kind of assume that somebody else has and I wonder whether there is a like we probably in that website thing probably overspec'd it a little bit because you wanted the dream and probably didn't need that to start with so maybe there's a Coco Chanel-esque take one thing off yeah. <laughs> to uh, yeah, that'd be hard for us because we want everything but maybe take this, this sort of like a if one thing had to go to get this done what would it be is maybe a challenge to us 
So I think given we've really talked about the failures, <laughs> maybe we talk about our biggest learning, which is not about necessarily when things go wrong, but just something where we really feel like we've maybe been stretched in terms of our learning capacity and our personal challenge. And we'll perhaps do those a bit quicker so that everybody's not like, oh God, I can't listen to any more of this. <laughs> so I might start on a high then. So my positive learning that I think we are very lucky to work together. I'm very feel very lucky Aww. to have ourselves in our little co-founder business thing that we've got going on because I think that the fact that it stems from a friendship, a friendship that has lasted a very long time since we both met when we were oh my goodness like 18 even though we weren't best 18. chums yeah, we weren't best chums then. We've known each other since then and we've kind of been part of each other's story since then. And I just don't see many people who have what we have and the more our business grows and the more that we're in meetings together and doing different things the more I feel I've learned that that is never something that we can take for granted I think it's a really special thing and the reason I got to that positive thing was I thought actually one of my most challenging learnings this year has been how hard it is to find people that click into the amazing if puzzle that have you know that that, <laughs> <laughs> that either bring the skills or the energy or the creativity or the commitment or the desire to be genuinely part of what we're trying to create and we definitely have found some people you know the team in Amsterdam Crystal who has been you know driving our squiggly careers community and Ruth in Dublin and Joe and there's so many and people that have worked with us on design and Ria who is amazing there's so many people that we have found that have done that but it has not been easy and I think my learning is oh it feels a lot harder when it's your business to find those people than when I worked in a big corporate and I feel so lucky that the person that I do it with on a day-to-day basis hour by hour is you and that somehow magically in the last 18 years or so that we kind of found each other on that journey so that's my kind of positive learning Ah, ours actually align quite well oh really so my biggest learning which has also been definitely has kind of challenged me at times during the year as well is though we've known each other for a long time I think this year really even towards just the end of this year has been the first time that we've worked together almost fully together Mm -hmm. where I feel like we're both very kind of in it and we spend a lot more time together you are running a company kind of in earnest together And what I've realised is that we are probably more different than I'd given us credit for. And actually, I was always worried that we were too similar because I sort of believe in it's useful to have complementary skill sets. And I always worried that I was like, oh, if we ever did this, would we are we basically just two versions of kind of the same? And yes, we've got different personality preferences, but do we bring very similar kind of skill sets or thinking? And actually, I think the more we work together, the more I realise we are complementary and we also are different in terms of the things that we are good at, the way that we approach things, perhaps our attitudes and mm. our decisions to different things would be different. And in some ways I find that challenging because that has meant at some points during this year, perhaps for the first time ever, we've had more challenging conversations or we haven't always agreed. And I always find that hard because I find conflict quite difficult, especially conflict with somebody who is you. (laughs) Um, And because there's obviously like a friendship that goes way beyond kind of running a business together. And so for me, I actually feel more reassured than ever that we kind of stand a chance of making our business work Mm. and it being successful because I can start to see us showing up in different ways and being useful and relevant in different ways and actually what I think unites us is our values 
and some of how we get stuff done and the commitment that we have, the thing that we're really kind of motivated by, the things that get us excited. And then actually some of the what that means we'll spend our time doing I'm starting to see how that will be different and I think that's really good so I think I've learned I feel like I've still got a lot to learn about how we will work together and I think we're starting to think about that more consciously because if you haven't spent time as a team thinking about kind of how you work as a team how are you going to work together where are you at your best where are you potentially going to have conflicts where are you good to kind of partner up and where is it useful for you to kind of work solo or with some different people I think those kinds of like how we're working conversations are really underestimated and underappreciated and are exceptionally valuable. Like we just had one (laughs) relatively notorious meeting this year Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. Helen and I were in it together. It didn't go wrong, that meeting didn't, but certainly we came out of it going that meeting didn't work and it didn't work because we were actually both there we weren't kind of prepared and we weren't helping each other we were sort of more getting in each other's way and I think if we'd have had some of those conversations sooner about those things then actually you can avoid that and actually you can just work much more productively and efficiently and actually I think we're getting better and better at realizing when are we better together and I think there's lots of instances where we are and sometimes I think we're genuinely better apart and sometimes I think we're better with some other people and I think just learning all of that feels like a really big learning curve but one that I am loving and kind of really enjoying. And I think if you start from a position of curiosity Mm. rather than sensitivity is a lot better so if I kind of go oh Sarah how do you think that meeting went do you think we were better together or better apart and it's a curious question rather than a sensitive question like I am interested in your answer and not scared of it and I think we've gotten really good at posing that question to ourselves in lots of different ways. You know, we recorded a podcast yesterday, for example, with uh, Bruce Taisley, which you'll be uh, hopefully able to hear very soon in January on Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. And we were saying to each other, OK, that's a podcast that we were both on. Were we better together or not was sort of the conversation we were having afterwards. And we were like, yes, actually, we both had a different points and and that worked. But we are curious about those answers. And I think it's such a valuable thing to do that as a team and say where are we similar Mm. where are we different there's no judgment there's just interest in the question and I think a lot of the time in other teams that I've been part of there's been some sort of threat or sensitivity or fear about those types of conversations but I think it doesn't feel quite as sensitive as it might have done a year ago I'm just like really interested in okay that's interesting that was a bit different what do we do next time or how do we get better each time we try and do this Well, I think if you have objectives and kind of common and shared goals that you're all working towards, that makes life easier. Mm. Because I think we have a very clear sense of why we do what we do in terms of making work better for everyone. We've got a very clear why. And I think we both share a sense of what success looks like for our business and for everything that we do. So therefore, you become motivated by what's our respective roles how can we add as much value and contribute as much as possible to achieving the things that really matter to both of us I suspect this falls down where people don't have common goals and objectives so I think that's perhaps something for people to think about if you're thinking you know this might be something you do in the new year if you're you know doing some team stuff in January is are you really clear about your goals and your common objectives for the year ahead does everybody share in those are people understanding them and interpreting them in the right way And then actually the questions just all become about are we all putting ourselves in the right places at the right time to help us achieve those things? So it becomes a bigger than just one individual and I think becomes less personal as well. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So the third conversation is your biggest personal challenge this year. And I think my one attaches to what we just talked about. So my biggest personal challenge this year has been you and I dual leading together. And I say this as two people who Sarah and I, if you, if you maybe you're early listening to this podcast, but Sarah and I, before we kind of came together to work together equally on Amazing If, we're sort of doing our own thing in our corporate careers you know Sarah was managing director of an ad agency and very senior roles at Sainsbury's before that and I was you know marketing director at Microsoft and various things so we're very used to leading a team and creating and driving and loving the responsibility (laughs) and the accountability and the ownership and the freedom of all of that kind of stuff and then you smash two of us together and to Sarah's (laughs) point whether it's on anything we're trying to drive actually whether we're trying to complete a particular project so whether it's the website that we've talked about or completing a book or a client we're working on or any kind of thing we're trying to get done or create you suddenly bring these two personalities that are very used to by no means going it alone because we'd have a team around us but we'd be leading the charge separately and you bring two of us together and I think at times my personal challenge has been when do I step forward? When do I step back? I've thought to myself in moments where I'm thinking that, like I'm literally in the moment thinking, oh, do I step forward now? And I'm going, well, is that ego talking or is this impact? Is it because I think I'll have more impact if I step forward? Like what's better for the business? What's better? I think that has been just a real, for me, a personal challenge of what's the thing that's driving you? Is it a need to be seen to be saying something or a genuine view that you're adding an impact? How does all of this support making work better and sort of just reassessing the contribution you make in this environment has it's definitely been moments this year where I've kind of gone what's driving that behavior from me is it a good thing or a bad thing and what do you do about it <laughs> so yeah that's my, my biggest challenge oh so I'd gone with a bit of a different slant for this one <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I was thinking about my biggest personal challenge in relation to work is a health challenge And some people will know, Helen knows very well, because she has to deal with some of the realities of this, that I suffer from very severe migraines. And 
when you get those migraines, I'm pretty much out of action for 24 to 48 hours. Like I'm literally lying in a, um, a dark room, barely talking, definitely not walking. And that's really disruptive and really frustrating. And I think you feel it very keenly when you're doing your own thing and you feel like you're, you know, not where you want to be, not doing things you want to do. I'm lucky that I love what I do. So the last thing I want to do is spend a day in bed. I mean, no one wants to spend a day in bed with a migraine because they are exceptionally painful. And also they're hard because they are not something that you can fix. Mm. And that's uh, inevitably what people want to do. People mm. want to try and help. And so you often get people saying, oh, have you tried this? Or what about doing this? And I definitely would like to fix them, believe me. I basically daydream about like somehow being able to open up my head and take them out in some way, shape or form. <laughs> That's like the dream scenario. But they are one of those things where they're not that easy to resolve. And so at the moment, I feel like it's almost more of a kind of a health challenge that I have learnt to live with this year. I've got better at accepting, but it has definitely impacted my mental health. And each time... I have a kind of migraine episode. There's sort of a whole little time of kind of recovery and being resilient. I definitely get quite down when they happen for lots of reasons. You feel like you're letting people down. You don't feel good about how you're spending your time. You know, you're not able to look after your kids and all those kind of things. And so they're, they're really tough and it's a big, it's a very much a personal thing, but I think it impacts every part of my life and in lots of ways I don't even like talking about it because I sort of think when I haven't got one I don't want to talk (laughs) I don't want to talk about it more but it is the reality of something that a biggish part of you know me and my work does get in the way and I think we all have at some points in our lives things that are happening probably outside of work that really do impact work I think I've actually had to really learn to adapt to that this year and for it to be okay because there's nothing I can do about it at the moment or there's things I'm trying to do about it, but certainly nothing that's solved it just yet. And it does feel quite isolating and it can feel quite lonely. So actually training to be a mental health first aider at the start of the year was probably the best thing I did because I think I hadn't done that because of having migraines. I'd done it to help other people with their kind of mental health and to get some of those kind of tools and techniques, which was incredibly useful. But I think I've probably used them as much on myself as I have with other people. It's actually really helped me. I have got a lot better at how to deal and kind of how to cope with it. So that's my one. That, that is a bit sad. I'm sorry. No, no, do you know, I actually do have tears <laughs> in my eyes, like genuinely. Listen, because it's so, I have a positive thing to say, but I also have, it's, it's really hard to hear somebody that you like really care about talk about something that I know affects you like in lots of different ways part of me wants to say that the impact that I see is less than the because there's an impact on you there's an impact on your family there's an impact on work but I think the impact on work I feel like okay well we can cope with that we can sort that but the impact is much bigger that's what sort of why I don't want to say it because I don't want to undermine it the positive thing is that might be sort of difficult to talk about but the I remember so when you had Max which is Sarah's little boy I think that was a difficult time and I didn't really know about it because didn't really talk about it very openly at the time. And I would think it was like months and months and months later that I knew that that was quite a tricky thing for you because we didn't know about it quite so much at the time. Whereas I think if I think about what's going on with migraines and I know it's a different situation, however, it's something that is affecting you quite, you know, it affects you a lot with how it takes your energy away from you I think it's really different because you talk about it you do say this is something that I've got going on and it's really difficult and it's just what it is and I'm finding a way to deal with it and I think that's a really positive thing I think it's a positive thing for people to hear I think it's a 
mentally positive thing to admit to. So I think in sort of a three-year period, that's quite a shift as sort of exposing something that's quite vulnerable but very significant. So, yeah, I feel like I know. Yeah, and I think if you're listening and you, I know people have, to be honest, much, much more challenging things in their lives, certainly than I do. And I do think when people are able to have the courage and bravery to talk about those Mm. things, particularly with those people who are there to support them, you are giving those people hopefully the opportunity to help you. And certainly I don't think I did that brilliantly necessarily when I had my little boy. I I think I got a bit better at it and certainly I'm better at talking about it now. But actually I, I regret that. I sort of wish in hindsight I had talked about it a little bit more at that time to be honest I think I was in a bit of a state of shock I wasn't quite sure what was happening (laughs) so I probably wasn't quite sort of able to but I think probably that helped me to learn that it is okay to talk about things because I think I'm usually very optimistic and positive about things even just talking in the way that we've just talked it doesn't actually come naturally to me I find it quite hard and then also I don't want to get more down about something that already makes me quite down. <laughs> but so there's like, a, I think there's a really fine balance to strike in terms of it being useful to talk about. But then to what point do you go, OK, well, that's but I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want it to become a bigger part of my life. But I think it is hopefully useful to, for people to hear. And I've talked a few times about the mental health first aid training, which I know lots of companies are investing in now. And definitely, if you haven't already, I would encourage you to nominate yourself or to learn a bit more about that, because I think it's useful for absolutely everyone. You know, mental health is just health. Everybody has kind of mental health, mental well-being challenges, I think. Some just in an average week that we all have and some at specific moments. So it's really useful. And we work with lots of teams and things like psychological safety. And I think where you create environments where people can talk to the extent that they are personally comfortable with where they can share what's going on and what's happening then that's a very positive thing and the research says that teams where there are people are able to be vulnerable with each other are higher performing teams I think that's a very it's a really positive outcome if people can talk to the extent that they want to talk about what might be going on outside of the meeting or the project plan or whatever you the inbox that we kind of all operate within quite a lot. So should we talk about our confidence gremlins, how they've shown up this year? If if they've shown up, have they made an appearance for you? (laughs) So my confidence gremlin that I have chosen, I think, and I wonder what you think about this. So we hear a lot of people talk about this enough thing. So they have a confidence gremlin of, I don't know enough, or I'm not old enough, or I'm not experienced enough, all of that kind of stuff. And I think I have a confidence gremlin about enough, but mine sounds like I've not done enough so rather than it's not how mm, how is that your yeah but I think it is Sarah because I sometimes really beat myself up like I'll think oh I should have done this why haven't I done this I've not done enough today oh my god I I don't know anyone who works as hard as you do but I but I don't always think you think that not in a critical way at all but I'll be thinking oh it's all I ever think but I might I might think oh Sarah might think I don't haven't done enough today and then then I'll be thinking (laughs) oh I sort of judge myself through someone else's lens and so I think and that's the point sometimes I think I don't have enough confidence in the value of work like we've talked before about oh my god do you know what I'm really happy when you tell me you've watched something on Netflix because I think (laughs) oh maybe she's had a break maybe she actually like sat and watched something on Netflix because I'm always like oh yeah I'm on this series or I've watched this thing and you'll be like I've not really had a chance to watch anything yet and I'll be thinking oh it's because she never takes a break and then you'll finally say you watch something I'm really happy for you But yeah, I think that is it. I think I sort of beat myself up because I have this slightly unachievable thing about doing everything and therefore I lose confidence in the value that I add if I'm not doing enough 
even though I sort of logically know that I could never do enough. So yeah, I think that's my little internal battle. Mine is a kind of newer one that has emerged since we've started to do more Amazing If together, which is some of the questions that you get asked about running a business. I'm sort of not sure how to answer them. And I think I lose and kind of lack a bit of confidence because I'm still a bit wedded to what success was traditionally perceived as when you're kind of running a company so even today for example I was in the lift after an event an event that gone really well I was really pleased with how it had gone and someone said to me oh whereabouts is your office based Mm. and I don't think we should have an office I don't want an office I love the different places we get to work and also I love working in different places so the last thing I want is an office but there's something about those kinds of questions the other classic one is how how many many people people work for you yeah totally true how many people do you employ and I think I get a bit apologetic and a bit over descriptive in my answers and it doesn't help in terms of a being confident in us and our business model which I am really confident in but I think it's because I feel like people are assigning success and almost perhaps even making judgment calls about us and whether they would want to work with us based on how many full-time equivalent employees have you got and how big is your office and all those kind of things And I think I've just got to learn that when people ask those questions, almost like practice some answers that Mm. I feel authentic saying and good about. Because at the moment, I don't feel good when I answer those questions. And yet, it's not that I think we're doing the wrong thing. It's just because those questions probably get into my psyche a little bit around, like one of my confidence gremlins has always been a bit about older people think I'm too young to be doing this job or almost like not experienced enough and I think it sort of taps into that a bit for me of people going is this a proper company I think Mm. in my head the dialogue I have in my mind is that people are thinking we're not a proper company we are absolutely a proper company (laughs) and because we're quite new to it and it's so different to what we've both done that I just want to get better at that and I want to cage that gremlin because I feel like that could get in my way and could stop me building relationships in kind of the right way or just being like over apologetic when you I don't and we don't need to be. I was just thinking what we would advise other people to do. So often when people, let's say Mm. someone has a fear of asking a question in a meeting, like one of the things that we would say to someone is like, think about what's the very first thing that you could say, which is one of the things I'd like to understand is, and it's almost like, okay, every time you're in a meeting and you want to ask a question, but you don't know how to start, that will be the thing that you start with. One of the things I'd like to understand is, and it's almost like, you know that you're going to ask that and then you get really confident in that statement. So I wonder whether for you because I get it I get the confidence gremlin that sits behind it which is status and perception and that's been very framed by the world of where we've been in before but I think sort of leaning into the challenge a little bit and kind of go oh that's a really interesting question because one of the things that we're really passionate about is changing some assumptions about what work looks like so for example do you need an office do you not need an office you know the models of how we employ people what we're all about is sort of learning how to make that stuff work in a slightly different way I feel like that sort of thing in your own words is an answer that you could own <laughs> like if you were like oh I'm just imagining trying to say that to somebody today in a lift I would have loved you know that. that's really interesting I'm just gonna uh you you would say something like that I think I just need to figure out um how to say that would you not say, would you way. not go, oh, really interesting question, actually, because it's one of the things no, that you wouldn't not say in a million that. years. Be- why would you not no. say it? A, I think it sounds a bit confrontational. Ah, interesting. Maybe that's your <laughs> conflict thing. Um, yeah, and I don't like confrontation or conflict. I think what I might say is, oh, we find in our business and the way that we're growing that actually an office is not something that we need and that so many people now are working 
virtually and flexibly. Instead, we use different sorts of workspaces or those. I think I'd say something more like that. So, you know, I think I can get there. I think I just need to think a bit about how I could answer them kind of in my own mm. words. And I think you would naturally be better at it than me. Like straight away there, you could say something. You were like, yeah, I'd definitely just say that. Whereas I don't think I can quite get there yet. So it's probably just practicing a little bit probably with you because you'll always like challenge me a little bit on it and then noticing each time because people ask me those questions a bit more regularly mm. than they used to each time being really conscious to opt in to trying to respond to it differently because it'd be so easy just to be like oh a bit dismissive of it or not really answer the question but actually think no I want to get to a point where I don't let those things make me feel or come across as lacking confidence. So our last, our fifth and final thing that we're going to talk about was around feedback this year and some feedback that maybe has been challenging or has made us think or made us change our behaviours. Do you want to go first with yours? Yes. So we uh, did a piece of work uh, proposal for some work that we wanted to do and it wasn't successful. I think I had poured my heart and soul into that and thought it was the right thing to do and thought it would be um, really beneficial to that organisation. And they gave us lots of really good feedback, but I did that really classic thing of ignoring all the really good feedback and just saw the one bit that wasn't positive. And actually, in my desire to want to win, almost defaulted to, okay, well, what do I need to do to make this work? And the reason I share that is what I thought you did brilliantly when that happened is you really made us stick to our guns. And actually, I really believed in what we had originally recommended. But I think I would have moulded and shaped and probably adapted too far where we would have lost the credibility and, and the expertise that we were kind of suggesting in the spirit of just trying to get people to say yes. And I think because I find not winning and people saying no hard... A, I found that feedback hard. I think when you're getting feedback on your own company and when you've done it yourself, the level of personal accountability and ownership that's in the work is so high. So it's very hard not to take feedback personally, I think, compared to certainly when I was working in bigger organisations. For some reason, it just does feel very different. And then I also think it's hard then not to just try and like respond to that feedback just regardless, without stopping and thinking first, what do you think about that feedback? What does it mean for you and your business? And so I'm so glad and incredibly grateful that in that moment, you were very clear, okay, if it's not the right thing for them, that has to be fine. That is absolutely fine. But it's not the right thing for us either. I don't know, I think because you don't have that competitive thing, mm. which I think is really good. I think it's really good that we both don't have that. And you don't want to win at any cost, which is also really useful. And so though I didn't feel good about the feedback, I think when I then stopped and thought about it, there was a lot of good feedback in there and lots of still opportunity in there. Mm. It was just that one specific thing wasn't the right thing for us. But it made me realise a little bit how it could have been different if you hadn't been there. Mm. Um, and so I found that really interesting as like something that kind of happened. And then I think you basically staged a bit of an intervention, which was a very good thing for the health of our business. <laughs> Did you ever play Bananagrams? 
No. Okay, I love a game of banana grams. It's basically like Scrabble without a board. So you start like with twenty right. you start with twenty one letters and then you have to like build your sort of like your own Scrabble board and you build all these letters. I bet you love a board game, don't you? I mean, yeah, I love a board game, but I particularly yeah. love banana grams because it's like banana grams. Yeah, I particularly love it. But the point is you have all these letters and at some point you're staring at your self made Scrabble board, which you just sort of make on your table. It's sort of like a crosswordy type thing you make yourself and you've got some letters left. You're like you're left with like a an X and a Q and a U and an R and you're like what I can't do this and I think potentially what I'm quite good at which reminds me of that particular situation is I can look at the board and go do you know what I can't I'm not going to win by trying to get these letters in this place and so I'm sort of confident enough to go I'm just going to rip apart half of this and rebuild it all really really quickly and then Mm, and you are good at that but I love it in banana grams I'm like oh the challenge I'm just going to take away half of the thing that I've just spent 20 minutes creating and do it all really really quickly but I think that's probably what happens in that situation is well because I haven't got the competitive thing I've almost seen that we've lost round one but I kind of go oh it's okay because I can take x and y and z and that bit and that bit and I can put it all together and something better and different and alternative can come out of it it's very growth mindset it's very growth mindset yeah yeah we should play banana grams together or or would we fall out we'd maybe fall out (laughs) that is the last thing I want to do is play banana grams with you I hate board games Oh. I don't want to. I don't want to play a board game. I want to sit and read in silence. Okay. So that's not how if we're anyone, going to be spending our time. If anyone time. wants to play banana grams with me, I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> My husband does not like it. He's like, honestly, we'll. I'll finish first, and then he'll be like, seriously, I just want to go watch like match of the day or something. And I'll be like, oh, I'll just finish yours for you. <laughs> so he will leave the table. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh you must be a nightmare to live with <laughs> I'll be like can I do banana grams on my own oh dear um, so my feedback one what's your feedback yeah, one yeah mine's a bit different so mine is we've done obviously lots of training this year I can't like I should probably at some point count exactly how many people we've been on our workshops this thousands. year thousands it must Thou- be thousands it is thousands it's thousands this year that people that have been on Amazing If Workshops, which is amazing. And I think so proud of us and the impact and the people that we've reached. And at the end of our sessions, we ask for feedback and we ask for feedback in a what worked well, even better if. And to Sarah's point, like I don't remember loads of all the what worked well, but a couple of the even better ifs stick with me. And some of them are funny and some of them are kind of like have really made me stop. And one of the ones that really made me stop this year was somebody that I thought it was very detailed feedback and it was uh, really impactful and I think it was very well delivered. So it started with, I know that one of the things that you care about is making work better for people. So it was instantly relevant. You know, this was somebody who had thought about what yeah. what we really cared about and what our business was all about and had tied their feedback to that. So I was like, okay, this like that's a brilliant start. And they said, I know one of the things you really care about is making work better. And therefore, I want to call out that one of the things that you might want to look into is your neurodiversity. And I was like, whoa. I had not thought about that before as deeply as this person had talked about. And they said, you know, as a person that identified as a neurodiverse person, they talked about some eye contact and things in our sessions that could make our sessions, we always talk about even better if, and they were like, there are certain things that you could do that would make it even better if for somebody like me. I took that really, 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 really to heart we want to make work better for everybody and we want to make sure it's as inclusive as possible. And we went and, you know, we got a neuroscience expert to sit in our training and did. give us... But I think that was a great thing yeah, to no, do. I think, and I, but I think that's why it really... I've learned two things from it. One is that sometimes feedback that feels challenging is really helpful. And that felt really challenging because I felt like someone might think that we didn't 
care enough oh gosh we care so much and so yeah we went and got a neuroscience expert that came to our sessions and assessed them and gave us loads of amazing feedback and actually lots of reinforcement about you know we spent six years developing these programs to be as inclusive as possible and gave us lots of scientifically backed evidence that that was working really well and so I think it was like wow this is feedback that is really personal and well delivered and so I think that was helpful and it gave us a prompt to go and get some other people involved in our programs to really make sure they're as good as they could possibly be so I was like wow feedback sometimes is difficult but it helps you to be even better so I think that was my kind of first learning from that and then my second learning is that with feedback particularly with the amount of people that we're reaching it's hard to make it perfect for everybody <laughs> and yeah you can't win basically yeah, and it made me think do you know what I can make this as brilliant as I possibly can do but not everybody um there's a quote that I've always loved from like an Otega a Wagby podcast I listened to about 18 months ago now she has a really good podcast called In Good Company and her mother said to her something like not everyone's going to clap for you and it stuck with me as a as a Aww. statement and I think do you know what that's not everyone is going to clap for you and that's fine not you you're not for everyone but as long as you're doing the best that you can do and sometimes you bring in some external perspective so it's not just you're not just thinking oh, I'm doing the best you bring in some other validation then there is only so much you can do and I think that's why that feedback it helped me to move forward in some ways but it also helped me to increase some confidence about certain things and others hard but helpful <laughs> Yeah, and I think I'm very mindful of that as part of this year and getting our book ready. We're part of a really good authors group who are incredibly supportive. One of the bits of advice they give to people who have got a book coming out, which is obviously as very imminently now, <laughs> is some people will hate it. And I can't get my head around that. Not because I think it's just that great, but just this idea of, again, because it's something that you've written that somebody would just think, oh, yeah, this is just rubbish. This is just not for me. But of course, logically and rationally, our book is not going to be for everyone. And you have to accept that and know that know who you've written it for and what you really want is it to be brilliant for them. I'm sort of having to remind myself of that just generally because I just know that I will find it hard if somebody writes on Amazon, they don't enjoy it. Mm. <laughs> or, or, you know, if someone says, oh, I didn't really... I had a look at the book, but it, it's not really for me. Or I'm sure there were people I know and friends that I have got who will say, if they were being very honest, would say, I didn't find it that useful. Maybe it's just not the right style of book. And just knowing that that's okay. That person's not being mean or nasty. They're just being honest. And it isn't for everyone. Obviously, it's for everyone who, who listens to this podcast, to be clear. Um, you all think it's great. But I think that is worth remembering and I think when you do get feedback you definitely need to be careful not to be defensive or mm. to ignore it or to avoid it because I think there often are responses to feedback ignore avoid defend essentially if you can be open and embrace it and think okay what is this telling me and what do I think about it then I think you can have a much more nuanced response to them what you then choose to do in the future and I honestly don't think we would have done that neuroscience thinking if we hadn't had that feedback and actually that was exceptionally reassuring because mm -hmm. lots of the feedback that we got from Amy was everything was pretty much along the right lines there was a few extra things that we could add that were brilliant and made it kind of even better and it just gives us that extra confidence that we are hopefully trying to include everybody whenever we're doing workshops or programs and again there will always be other things that mm -hmm. we've not anticipated yet so that's the whole thing about always being work in progress 
knowing that you'll never be perfect, which is probably not a bad note to uh, you know, start, one, to, start to conclude yeah, on. Very true. My uh, just on the last bit of the funny feedback. The other thing that I've learned this year from all of the feedback that we've had from the thousands of people that've been on our courses is the importance of food. We can <laughs> we can put people in a room and we can give them lots of tools, but at the end of the day, if the food isn't quite good on one of our training programs, it really affects things. Oh, and one moment this year yeah. that I really realised that was when I got most of my even better ifs from the fifty or so people that I'd spent two days with were about mushrooms like I genuinely that was a definite moment when I realized lots of people don't like mushrooms and um yeah that was a feedback yeah. moment divisive I've, divisive the mushroom is divisive on a anybody who's delivering <laughs> any kind of workshop just beware of the mushroom would be my my reflection from the year so we hope that was funny and useful <laughs> to listen to and I think a lot of what we do and certainly if you do follow us on things like Instagram or elsewhere people do see a lot of the shiny side a lot of things that we do that probably you know look incredible and are incredible and we thought it was helpful to dive a bit deeper and go below the surface so that crikey you don't think it's all a bed of roses which it's definitely not I mean I could do a whole of the podcast on the number of debit and credit cards I've lost this year um <laughs> for some reason I just seem to lose them all the time and there are so many things like that that you know we're certainly not getting it right day in day out and nobody is but if you think about those five areas fail when things have gone wrong what have you learned when have you had your really high stretch learning moments? What personal challenges have you had? Where have your confidence gremlins really kicked in this year? And when have you had feedback or maybe even given feedback? And how has that made you feel? What have you done as a result of it? I think they are really good questions for everyone to ask and to ask as part of teams because December and January just generally do tend to be moments to stop and reflect. And if you want some light relief after this, follow us for that 12 days of Christmas because that will be very fun, very lighthearted and probably our least intense slash relentless, which is sometimes how we get described, um, <laughs> moment of the year. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we'll be back with you soon with another Scoopy Grits podcast. Bye. Bye, everyone. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.